episode 241 of Global From Asia. Four more to go for the year and for the show. Let's go. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. All right, everybody. Four more shows to go for Global From Asia. I hope you're enjoying the 2018 fourth quarter. And this week's show, we have Isa Isabel from Shenzhen. She's from Germany. She's doing some amazing stuff with coffee into China. This one will be very useful for those selling in mainland China looking to import products. We 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 do pretty good discussion and dive into some importing processes, some ways she's gotten marketing. I think a lot of people will get a lot out of this show. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And again, as we said, this is the four four more shows, 241 until Christmas Day. So thanks for listening to these last few. And this is a great one. I hope you really enjoy and learn. Let's tune in. Are you looking for a Hong Kong agency to help you with your upkeep or registration of a Hong Kong Limited? Check out Unipro Consulting Limited. We are an equity partner in the firm, which is a local CPA practice that has the accreditation to register and upkeep your Hong Kong company. Check us out on the web at www.uniprohk.com. www.uniprohk.com. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another Global From Asia podcast. It's story time. I'm excited for today's talk. We have Isabel Sum, uh, she, or Isa, as she's known on WeChat. She's a business owner, entrepreneur in, in China, in Shenzhen. We got to finally meet uh, at the past uh, Cross-Border Matchmaker and, uh, and, and Abnet and other meetups where she's actively contributing to the community and engaging with uh, with people here uh, in China. So thanks for coming on, Isabel. Hi, Mike. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Sure. So it's a pleasure to have you. And um, so you are the coffee queen. You're like the coffee expert. Uh, you've been, I mean, some of your WeChat groups about coffee and you're uh, also, you know, you have some You've been sharing about tips at different events, and you you were uh, at our event where you had coffee, and uh, it's your family business. And maybe share a little bit about your yourself and uh, and and the business. Yeah, sure. So um, maybe a little bit of background about me. So I'm actually born and raised in Germany. Um, I don't know if you can tell by my accent or not. I hope not. And um, I'm half Chinese. So my mom is from, you know, northern China. And um, basically, um, before I met my now partner in life and business, I didn't really like coffee. So actually, my educational background yeah, is uh, in international management for business and information technology. So um, I actually, yeah, I did a dual study um, system that we have in Germany. So it's um, studying and, and working at the same time. It's kind of like a trainee program. So I worked for IBM. And uh, actually, yeah, you know, everyone around me, you know, all these IT people, they were all drinking coffee like crazy. And I never understood the rave about it because I just didn't like the taste. Like it didn't, 
I don't know, it didn't appeal to me. I didn't like it. I didn't understand why I should drink it if I don't like it. So, and then, you know, I met my partner uh, in, in university, actually, and he told me about these specialty coffee roasteries and, like, private roasteries, and they actually produce coffee, you know, themselves. It's not like a big corporation, so they actually hand-roast all the coffees, and it's, like, totally different from industrial coffee. And then I was like, really? I can't believe that. <laughs> I think you're kidding me. And then, you know, I tried it, and I totally, like, understood what he meant. Obviously, it's very different. It's like a crafted product, like craft beer or, or like fine wines. It's very, you know, more exquisite than industrial products, um, even though it's a similar category. But I really think there's almost nothing similar to industrial coffee and hand-roasted coffee. So, yeah, long story short, that's basically how I learned loving coffee. And also that's how I went into the business side of it. And, yeah, that's basically how it went. Okay, great. I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of ways I can go in this direction. So, how when did you? So you're in, of course you're in China, and you know that's an interesting angle. I'm curious about, but what was this, the steps before? You know, you're in IBM, and then you're in, you're in your studies, and then you meet your partner, and you're into coffee. What? How did we get to China, or how what's the story between there and China? Okay, so um, basically, yeah, so my way to China had, you know, or let's let's say continue with the entrepreneurial journey. Let's sure, say sure. Um, we did <laughs> we did start two companies as well in Germany. Uh, one of them, unfortunately, we shut down because because we knew that we were coming to China and we knew that we wouldn't have time for it. It was actually also quite interesting. It was um, a product which was a, a bread bun in a milk glass jar. I'm sure you've seen it before. And we had a configurator and we programmed it online so people could like have their um, personal percentages, what they wanted in a bun and everything like that. But, you know, we were we knew that we would go to China, so we had to shut it down because um, at the stage of the business, it wasn't ready to, you know, develop by itself, so it would have needed us to be there. So this one we shut down, but it was a great uh, experience because we could really um, learn how to, um, you know, talk to big supermarket chains, how to talk to retailers. We were actually uh, listed in many supermarkets as well in the northern German region, and we did a lot of events for that as well. And we also had an online store. So that was the first kind of experience. And the other one is that we do a metal business cards, um, which we source in China. And then we have an online business for that in Germany. And that one is still up and running because, you know, it, it's it's more like, um, how to say, like doable, even if you're not in Germany, let's say. So um, that's the two adventures we did before China. And then, um, you know, the Coffee Roastery is actually my partner's family business. So he and his dad and his uh, brother founded it in Germany a couple of years ago, uh, quite successfully. And uh, then we just uh, had this great opportunity due to a kind of like political situation, I'd say. So there was a delegation um, from China that visited us in Hanover in our roastery. And they really liked the concept. They really liked, you know, the German family business, like very traditional crafts and very Western products, so they kind of invited us. 
And that's how we, um, you know, visited the city for the first time. And we thought this is a great, great location to produce because it's in the middle of China. And our factory in China is in Hunan. Okay. So it's in the middle of China. Yeah. And um, it's, it's super easy to reach everywhere from there. And yeah. So that's basically how we, we came to China. Wow. That's a, there's a lot to it. And then for Shenzhen, is there, is there a reason... You picked uh, the south of China, or? Yes, for sure. So um, basically, we've been doing the business for two years in China now. And uh, in the beginning, uh, we personally were actually based in where our factory is. And we would just go on, you know, business trips for exhibitions, customer visits, events, things like that in different cities in China. And I know two years sounds uh, like a long time, but for us it was kind of still like an orientational phase because in the first year we set up the whole factory, get all the licenses, got the team and so on and so forth. And then the second year we kind of like had our first encounters with exhibitions, distributors, clients, etc. And actually until this day most of our customers are still in Shanghai. And this, uh, the reason for this is because we just had the biggest, let's say, personal network um, in the Shanghai region, you know, from like contacts that we had before in Germany already, Chinese and German, and um, different kind of networks. So in the beginning, we thought, okay, we are gonna focus on Shanghai because the market is very big and customers are very sophisticated. But then, um, you know, after a while of having interactions there and also in other cities, we changed our mind and we decided that a more strategic um, positioning would be if we would really, really focus on one like um, one city only. So now we're actually um, declining all other, um, you know, requests for events or exhibitions in other cities. And we really wanted to focus on Shenzhen because um, the market here is much more dynamic. So it's not as like set in stone as in other tier one cities in China and also it's very um, yeah strategically located because of you know the metropolis region with Guangzhou and um, you know also of course the closeness to Hong Kong which for us in our business is also great because if we sometimes you know need to get some samples or something like that it's usually easier to send them to Hong Kong first true, so true. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, listeners, mm. I think we've talked about that a lot in the show. But yeah, I mean, to leverage Hong Kong and, and the free trade, you know, the pretty, you know, open ability to send samples or product to Hong Kong and then hopping over the border, you know, not taking too much advantage. But yeah, it's to bring it in to China that way is much smoother. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, so um. I'm sure listeners are curious about the whole importing process or the whole business process. So you're, I'm trying to follow also where's the product made and then you're, you're making it and how's like the whole, the, like the supply chain working. Mm-hmm. Um, basically we import all of our, um, raw beans like the green beans from Germany and um, we we have the same importer as in Germany like because you know coffee grows all around the world and actually um, Hamburg and Bremen like the northern German cities that are close to the haven um, have the biggest quantities of um, trading 
coffee and other um, you know goods around the world. Um, so these importers, we use them for China as well because they're very experienced and they have all the you know just like paperwork that you need. And um, also, um, we all of course we didn't do it all ourselves. We used an agency. I think that's always a good um, way if you if if anyone has the financial means. Um, but I think it's usually worth it even for small quantities or uh, you know. Uh, any product um, to use an experienced importing agency and um, to help you with everything like that. And especially for our business, it was very specific because coffee is so new here. So for some of the products, we also imported a few coffee machines um, that we also distribute. And uh, some products like the technical uh, details, they're not even sometimes standards that are set for this. So and also green beans, like the, the customs don't really know so much about it. So uh, you need to be able to support these officials in any way you can so that it's also easier for them to understand what you want to bring into the country. And um, yeah, so we import the green beans and then we roast them um, to make the final like finished product here in China locally. And um, we do this actually because it's um, much fresher. So good coffee needs to be fresh. And, um, yeah, just also for us, it's easier. We're more flexible than if we would import the finished product from Germany because then we can also, you know, source maybe some green beans locally from Yunnan or get some smaller batches and don't need to worry about them getting old. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's, I think it's always important to, uh, if you can afford it, to get some professionals on your you know, on your side to do that. Of course, yeah. I mean, I think importing and the logistics is a huge, can be a huge headache. So it's definitely worth the peace of mind and, you know, the fees to have it done right. I mean, I've heard stories. I don't know if you, I don't know if you have any horror stories, but we've had some on the show of stuff being stuck in customs in China for months and like wine being almost, you know, stuck there for a long time and other, other goods coming into China. So it's been mostly smooth for you? Well, uh, mostly, yeah. But the thing is, for some of the machines that we imported, um, customs actually uh, de detached them, like deconstructed them oh, to no. see what's inside, you know, for a coffee machine because they don't know. We could be, I don't know, smuggling <laughs> whatever in there, right? So I don't know. They just detached it and some of the parts, broke a little bit you know but then later on and of course like for us it's all small scale so it's only a, a few pieces let's say because coffee machines you know they're also expensive so we didn't import a ton but um, then later I talked to another manufacturing business from Germany and they do this on a very very big scale and they told me it's like one to five percent of the whole um you know, like order that they are allowed to inspect. And for them, like they already calculate this as a, you know, breakage, like automatically if they import this to China and they know it's going to go through customs and they just, you know, um, calculate it into their costs basically. So for us in the beginning, when we came, it was surprising. We didn't know that customs would open our machines and break them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it's okay. We like, it wasn't major problem just maybe some screws or scratches okay that's good at least and then the, the normal time how much time do you usually expect it to take mm, 
think for us it was like yeah about a month maybe a month maximum okay because yeah some of the okay. things also needed to be sent to Beijing I think but to be honest like most of the importing my partner did that so okay. I wasn't too involved mm. sure sure no problem and now let's get into this the business you know like cracking the china market or the progress you've made over the years um maybe you can share some things so you, you know i you're opening a coffee shop at least i i've i know you have a new one you're just opening in shenzhen i'm not sure if maybe i'm missing there's others but you have the store you do workshops and of course you're sponsoring and attending a lot of events um you have your online marketing with wechat i've seen do you want to kind of give us a breakdown of different ways you've been kind of building the building the market yeah sure so um for us what we wanted to uh, do immediately when we came to china is get all the you know customer contact points um up and running um, meaning our website uh, our taobao shop our wechat shop and wechat official account like all these let's say basics so that people could find us and find information about us and um also, like pretty quickly when we arrived, uh, we also noticed that, you know, people when they think of China, they always just think of the really big numbers and the huge market and how you can, you know, address your target customers and so on and so forth. But um, what we realized is that you really have to just also use your like direct network mm -hmm. um, to actually talk and like reach um, a small niche of like a fan base let's say or like a, 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 like loyal customer base and um, you really of course in the beginning it feels like small steps but I think that's for any business and if you're not like a you know like global corporate giant with a yeah. marketing budget of yeah. a couple million yeah then uh, you just have to really realize that even though you're in china and it's a big market you have to do the small steps first as well and um yeah for us um in the beginning also we did focus a lot on uh, or we still do actually, but in the beginning, of course, more because we weren't so busy with other things. But we uh, focus a lot on creating value for our B2B customers, so for our private customers, in form of um, you know WeChat posts and videos about how to prepare coffee, how to taste coffee, um, how to do it at home, how to use the coffee grounds, etc. Just so that um, you know the Chinese customers could um, see that we have the expertise uh, in our product and also that you know we always uh, of course like put a little bit of German influence let's say or like some kind of references from our German company so that they also knew like okay this is not a you know constructed brand for the Chinese market it's actually a German brand and it's actually a successful and good product in Germany as well to, to let them get the gain this kind of initial trust and um, but then later on uh, we also realized that to get to the quantities we need to get to to be a successful business we need to target the um, you know like B2B customers more so we need to really target um, gastronomies hotels offices co-working spaces things like that because um, they are kind of like a bigger point of sale 
and um, they will get you the quantities because that's also like very very different uh, to the German market. Like in Germany, everyone just buys coffee for home use. And usually families buy beans and they just make it at home or, you know, if they invite friends or something like that. So you have a really big um, customer base that just personally, like privately buys coffee beans. But here in China, people like the habit for Chinese people, consumers is more like um, having meeting someone outside to uh, have a cup of coffee or like also just having a cup of coffee on the way to the office. So I think like um, most of Chinese people don't drink it at home. So that's why we had this kind of focus uh, shift from B2C to B2B. Makes sense. And then, you know, um, how about the domestic Chinese market versus like the expat market? I mean, do you, sometimes it might be hard to measure because sometimes there's Chinese that speak English, but you know, what do you think is it been different or what do you seek success or, or, um, you know, how you handle those different markets? Um, yeah, so basically I think, um, or at least from our experience so far, it's really almost like to, uh, like you have to have two totally different marketing strategies for Chinese customers who speak English or Chinese and also for foreigners in China because they really don't like have so many interaction points. So for example, for us, um, the, you know, Taobao shop and online shops, we have our Chinese um, staff who take uh, mostly care of that. And this really makes sense. Like we really let them like do what they think is right because they have this better connection to the customers even though like we know more about the product maybe and more about like coffee in general but still uh, from my experience Chinese can sell better to Chinese than foreigners can sell to Chinese or like also anything like the whole communication brand communication some things in the beginning we thought like also for our designer we we thought like don't do it like that it looks like totally out of our corporate design guidelines, mm -hmm. if you will, like they're not yeah. very strict, but you know, it just looked very like a little bit weird to us what, what she was doing. But I think in the end, um, this, because she is Chinese and she would be like one of the target groups. So we need to trust her and um, also be more flexible with that. And, um, but on the other hand, um, why we're still not useless, like, I mean, me personally and my partner, <laughs> the other stuff, is because coffee in China is still, uh, you know, a foreign product. It's not, like, culturally here for a long time. It doesn't belong to the history. So, basically, foreigners are a really good customer group because they already drink coffee a lot, probably in their home countries. Um, of course, maybe not exactly the same style that we are roasting it um, if they come from, you know, anywhere from Italy, Sweden, America, wherever they're from. But uh, in the end, they still are more used to it than Chinese, and we can talk to them very easily. So that's why we do a lot of uh, events um, to also build a brand amongst the foreign community. Mm. And I think in the end as well, um, this will you know, be beneficial because uh, if, if Chinese people um, start to adapt some Western habits, if they have any Western friends or colleagues, um, probably they will also ask them for advice. You know, if I if I was living in Germany and I wanted to get some really like authentic Chinese food, I'd probably ask my Chinese friends where they usually go. You know, so that's the logic behind that. That hopefully uh, our 
foreign customers in China will recommend us to their Chinese friends once they feel like drinking coffee. <laughs> That's a good strategy. Yeah, I mean, you're in China. You can yeah, you can leverage the foreigners here to almost kind of build up the content and the awareness. And of course, like like I also said, it was might be hard to measure. Of course. There's a lot of Chinese that speak English and and hang out with foreigners, or they want to be in also the prestige, right? To be in culture and the different uh, experiences. So, so it's an interesting, interesting angle. Um, what are some of the? Is there any like nightmares or strategies or road or you know issues that you hit or roadblocks that you thought would be maybe some fun stories to share about your China business experiences, maybe? Um, Business-wise, I think one of the most annoying nightmares <laughs> was the initial, like, <laughs> it was actually, I mean, this is not really applicable to most businesses, I think, but just, like, very specific, but it was really getting the gas connection to our roasting machine. Because, um, you know, we, are, we have a joint venture company in China, and our business partner is Chinese, uh, a Chinese company, and they told us, like, you don't understand how much power the gas companies have in China. And if they don't want to do anything or if they want to do it slowly, no one can, like, you know, stop them from behaving like that. So it took us so long to get this gas connection. <laughs> I, I, I joke with people, it, being in China just definitely creates, you're much more patient. You can just deal with you're, or you go crazy, you know, either you, yeah. you, you know, or you, or you have a breakdown. So, uh, and what are, you know, what are some tips maybe that you think are some top things for people, you know, looking to crack the Chinese market for their, their business and brands? Hmm. Um, I think the best and uh, most important tip I could give anyone who wants to do business in China is to actually find a trustworthy and reliable Chinese partner. I think that's really, really important and make, makes things a lot easier and better and faster and you don't feel so lost and you feel like you have someone on your side. And I think this applies to all types of people or businesses. So for example, if you're if you're a private person and like just a, let's say single entrepreneur and you want to start something in China, I would go find a, a Chinese like um, equivalent to what I am. So maybe a private person, a Chinese guy or Chinese girl who has got some business experience best in the best case and uh, who wants to start a business with you. Or if you're a company, I would actually also really recommend to find a, you know, a Chinese partner company that works together with you uh, that has, you know, more experience about the market and um, can help you with all, you know, these things that are just very, very specific to China, um, like starting from all the paperwork up to language and cultural misunderstandings or problems or whatever it might come across your way. So I think it's, I think it's a really um, important thing to get a Chinese partner in China. Which is, I definitely agree with that advice, but I think sometimes a lot of listeners tuning in might not be in China and they listen to the show and they're trying to, but I think they have to come here, right? At least, at least temporarily, right? There's no way you can just listen to podcasts or listen, you know, read blog posts and do business in China, right? I mean, you, you had to be here. Did you find your partner before you came here or you found him when you were here? 
Um, yeah, we, in our case, we found the partner before we came. So actually, we wouldn't have done it if we didn't find a partner. Oh, okay. So we wouldn't have come by ourselves. Because oh, great. for I'm our so, case, I'm curious to hear. Uh, you know, like very, yeah. Sorry, what did you say? No, I'm just curious. I think maybe to learn the process of how you found your Chinese partner. Okay, for us, it was really like a, you know, like lucky coincidence. So um, basically, this whole um, story for us is based on quite a like political level. So our city in Hanover, where we are ba city, which is Hanover in Germany, where we're based, and that city where our partner company is from, they have a very long relationship, like over a couple of like I think over 10 years already and they did a lot of like culture and exchange and also economical exchange so that's how we found them or I would rather say I think they found us to be honest um, but um, I think yeah if, if you're outside of China what you could definitely do is look into these different types of um, you know chambers like commercial chambers uh, or like in general, organizations that build connections between your country and China, um, there are actually plenty out there. Some of them are like more state-owned or governmental, and some of them are more private, like um, sometimes even like business networks or even consulting agencies or something like that. But, it, you know, it never harms to just ask around. And um, I think I wouldn't also just like go unprepared, obviously. So... I think you could really take your time and consider different options before you, if before if anyone would like just jump into it. Of of course, you could also just come here first and uh, you know explore also the market, your competition, what it's actually like to be here. I think it, it it's also very helpful to uh, get a picture of reality before you decide to actually start start the business here. Okay, yeah, this has been great. Maybe. Um, getting towards the end and how can people, you know, connect with you, your business, your community or, or you or however, what's the best way we can link it on the website too, so. Yeah, uh, our business is Hanover minus, uh, our business website, sorry, is Hanover minus coffee.cn and of course I'd be happy if anyone has got some questions uh, about China business or yeah, starting business in China in general, uh, they can add me on WeChat, they can add me on LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn is just Isabel Sum, so I-S-A-B-E-L-S-U-M. And my WeChat, uh, maybe just get the ID, like my WeChat ID is IFS1803. So, yeah, I'm happy to answer any of your listeners' questions if they got any and hope I can help wherever, wherever I can, yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Isabel. It's been great. Cool, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for your time. Love Global From Asia and want to get even more? Then check out our members-only area at gfavip.com. Here you'll get insights and access to me as well as other members in our private forum, as well as a ton of other valuable knowledge and information, as well as special connections, monthly calls, insights, discounts on product services and events, and more. Plus, it really helps support the show. Check it out at www.gfavip.com. All right, that's a wrap. Episode 241 of Global From Asia. I'm Mike Michelini. 
it's been a pleasure serving you content and let's uh keep on rocking i'm gonna enjoy the rest of these just a few more shows to go and uh, we're busy working on a new project so thanks so much and i will speak to you in the next episode next tuesday cheers to get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.